Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete. My guest today is Frankie Bridge, best known as one-fifth of the super girl group The Saturdays. Frankie has recently been really open about her mental health issues over the years, in and out of the band, and she's been an ambassador for Mind for a while after opening up about her experiences of anxiety, depression and panic attacks after being hospitalised in May 2012. She's been a key player in launching the Mind partnership with Heads Together, as well as lending her support to Time to Talk Day. Frankie launched her own podcast series, Open Mind, and she also has a book coming out called Open, Why Asking for Help Can Save Your Life. And she's co-written the book with two other people, a clinical psychologist and also a psychiatrist. I really respect how honest Frankie is in the book. She really, really leaves no stone unturned and she really goes there, which I think is a really amazing thing to do when writing a book like that. So I hope you enjoyed this episode between us. I actually went on Frankie's podcast as well um, as a bit of a podcast swap. So keep your ears and eyes open for that. And um, I will stop talking now and let you listen to the episode. Here it is. I'm so excited to be joined by the amazing Frankie Bridge. Thank you so much Thank for coming you. on. <laughs> so amazing to meet you. I was saying when we first met, I I felt like I immediately knew you on a deeper level. And I, and it felt really nice because I, I have sort of crept into your soul a bit reading your book open. Yeah, that's going to be so weird, I think. I suppose that's the whole point of the book, obviously. But I kind of forgot that that now means... Because for me, I see it in a way of... Oh, I'm trying to help other people to understand themselves or to understand others. But now I'm like, oh, yeah, now I suppose a side note to that is that people are going to understand me more, which is weird. I hadn't thought about it until you said it. It was really nice because it wasn't like I was reading about you from afar. It felt like you welcome, welcoming me in to like your home or something and just sitting down and having a chat, like an honest chat. That makes me so happy because that's exactly how I wanted it to be. (laughs) It's so, so good. So I wondered with with the book and also with your podcast, did you kind of always want to one day open up about things or did you feel like we're in a time where culturally and in the media, it's actually like kind of a bit of a movement? I mean, it totally is. And it's amazing because you know like the stigma is really is is so much lower now and and I feel like people are feeling like they can talk about it more and understand themselves more which is amazing but actually for me I first spoke out in 2012 when it wasn't really spoken about I think it was only like Stephen Fry that had ever been openly honest about depression and anxiety and The main reason I spoke out about it then was because I'd been in hospital and people just assumed that I had like some sort of addiction. And I wasn't annoyed because that was something to be ashamed of, but it just made me realise that people just didn't talk about it or know about depression or anxiety. Mm. So I felt this need to, to speak about it back then. And then I kind of drew back from that because it wasn't spoken about, I kind of didn't want to be the poster girl for sadness and, mm-hmm. and and being in a pop group, that wasn't really what I was there for. Whereas I think now not being in a pop group and, and being able to have more opinions, I am now in the position to be able to do that more freely. And look how much has changed in only six years, seven years. Yeah. In terms uh, of how much we, you feel like 
it's not just like this spotlight on you. Yeah. And I think like even down to I'm an ambassador for Mind and um, even down to like the Mind Awards, it was so tiny. The first one I ever went to, like hardly anyone came and it just wasn't a known thing. And now every year that event grows and grows. And every year I kind of feel proud that that's how it's becoming. And um, it's really nice to see that. Mm. As much as it is your story, it's also super helpful and practical. You you give like check of like what what even things mean and like mm. how in even like symptoms and like how you could recognize that you might be feeling a certain way or your friends might be and did you want it to be kind of both those things it's like a memoir but also kind of like a practical help book as well yeah definitely i i've kind of always been like Look, it's not a complete self-help book because I do not have the answers, which is why I roped him my therapist and my psychiatrist because they're the people that helped me and they explained things to me in a way that I could understand them. And knowledge for me was key in my recovery and, and, and still is. There was no other way that I could think to do it other than to have them involved. Mm. I didn't want some other therapist to explain things differently because I don't know if that's going to work because that wasn't work, what worked for me. Um, and things like mindfulness and stuff like that isn't something that I practice. So I wasn't about to sell something to someone that I don't believe in. So for me, it was just about being honest and being open and so that people can either go oh yeah I felt a bit like that or my friend seems a bit like that and then to have the medical backup to say this is actually what's happening in your brain and it just makes you feel less weird and less mm. crazy and that's exactly what it did for me so I was like that's what I want other people to feel. Yeah I love those the, the notes because it's kind of yeah it's like must be nice in a way to kind of have the have the validation of someone going yeah and also we can sort of give like some really practical advice from the outside it yeah, just really makes great. you get out of your head and realize okay this is an illness and I'm not just going crazy yeah I mean I read it super quickly as well and <laughs> I learned a lot and it's brilliant Good. everyone needs to buy it. thank you <laughs> um but I also learned a lot of more about you I guess from you know you letting people in to the bit of the behind the scenes that we might not know yeah and some of it was really interesting like we're the same age I think but what was interesting in the book is that you were saying that some people might think that be having that job and being kind of like publicly known from a young age might have like added to it but actually you were saying those were happy happy memories on the whole and this is just something that was going to happen regardless yeah. maybe of, of all that stuff yeah like I genuinely believe that it was inevitable with me like I say I came out of the womb anxious like if any amazing situation I could think the worst like I always say it's a bit like if you've ever seen the film Final Destination you know like they you can see the bad thing about to happen and 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 that's basically how my brain works it's like um, I said to you before, like if I was going on holiday, for me, the lead up to the holiday would be really stressful because I'd be worrying about the flight and I'd be scared of that. Um, and whereas I think when I was in S-Cup Juniors, I was so busy that actually my I don't remember my mental health being bad at that time. Um, I think I was just enjoying myself. I had no idea how big the band was or how successful we were. And it was just about doing the thing that I loved and we were really protected and we had a really great group of people around us that I still know and love now and and I think that that really helped 
Yeah, that's lovely. And you also mentioned the fact there was no social media, which yeah. is kind of like a an obvious thing that I didn't even realise. Like, of course, you felt like you were in a happy bubble because there was no one yeah. telling you stuff. Yeah, it's nuts. I had no idea what people thought of me or and again, like how well we were doing or or anything. Like I remember there was one article in a paper like saying that they thought we wore too much makeup or whatever. And and actually we were only allowed to wear like um that juicy tubes lip gloss or whatever it was called and like a bit of a mascara or whatever. And um blue mascara maybe. Maybe big but, uh, hair mascara <laughs> or something. And um and I, I'm really thankful for that because it was it was nice. I was still in this innocent little bubble and that didn't really start. It, it wasn't even there really at the beginning of the Saturdays either. And so I've kind of had to learn to live with it, you know, like everyone else, I suppose. Yeah. And, and also from the outside before social media, I feel like it was very easy to look at someone who was a pop star or someone who was in a band and see the photo shoots and see the glossy stuff and really maybe assume life is pretty easy and perfect. Mm. And I mean, I was laughing the other day to a friend because I went on a book tour literally to four bookshops in like Bristol and Manchester and I was like I'm knackered on my from my tour and then I was like I was like I wonder how Ed Sheeran's doing because I was like that is not a tour and and then you know reading about how you know how exhausted you guys were Mm. um during the chapter we talk about how you went to the GP and you were like I don't know I felt almost guilty in a way for assuming that that stuff was just fun but then I think as well it goes both ways because that is the whole point of a pop star, really. I mean, I know you're supposed to be like an an icon and that comes with all different hats. You know, you want to be relatable. and But back in the day, that wasn't really what pop stars were about. You were supposed to be like this unaccessible thing that people looked up to, like, like Britney Spears back in the day. Like, I didn't really want to know whether she was happy or sad, I suppose, at the time. I just liked her music. I liked her music videos and I thought she was cool, you know, and and I suppose that was our job then. So no one should feel guilty about that, but I just think times have changed now. People do want to know more. They do want to know the person more personally and deeply, but that wasn't really the case, like, years ago. That's really true, actually. I guess, yeah, you wouldn't have, like, Boyzone be, like telling you their, their worries. <laughs> no, and also like I, you, during a show, like you're there to have a good time and you don't really want to know that stuff right at that moment. The same as when I go to show, like when I went to watch Ariana Grande, like I was kind of watching her and thinking, wow, she's been through so much this year and look at her, she's still here and, yeah. you know, she could have easily have never gone on tour again. You know, she had the horrendous thing with her her boyfriend taking his own life as well. So she's had a pretty shitty year, yet she gets up and she performs and she lets people have a good time mm. and that's kind of what you want. Yeah, and I also way. feel like a lot of the emotion is kind of in the music in yeah. a way, isn't it? So it's like you, you feel connected to her still. Yeah, it's not like probably, she's just brushing it. Yeah, and she probably finds strength in the fact that she can get up and bash out a song and a dance routine. And, you know, I don't know. I just think it is a bit different. But again, I'm the same. I want to go and I want to enjoy a show. And I think now as well, the music industry is different. I think managers and record labels now can't get away with not caring about you as a human. Mm. Um, S Club Juniors, 100% you know, we were kids, so we were very protected. And and even in the Saturdays, I was lucky to have great people, but that's not the case with every pop group, and we know that. And it, and, and your schedule is so busy and hectic, and 
anything missed is an opportunity missed you know it's 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 a group of people that aren't going to hear your new single and life just kind of gets away from you and and it becomes bigger more important than anything else Mm. and I just don't think it's the same anymore I don't think people are allowed to do that to bands and artists and yeah, I yeah, I wondered if you could talk a bit about that time because I'm um, reading the book it was really yeah, you almost want to like reach through the pages and be like Frankie, like <laughs> do you like just wrap yourself in a blanket like why is everyone making you do these shoots still? But but at the same time you kind of you quite fairly say that, you know when things have been prepared and people have worked really hard to like set something up and there's a lot of money and there's a lot of jobs involved. I was like god, that that would have been such a great amount of pressure for you to be like I need to get better but I also can't let anyone down and you really talk about that that struggle yeah I think um I'm a I'm a massive people pleaser anyway so I wouldn't have wanted to let anyone down but I think that's the same for a lot of people um when you're working it takes so many people and especially in a in a successful band there's there's so many people involved and I think maybe when you're a solo artist if you really can't do that shoot or whatever, you're kind of only technically letting yourself down if that's how you're going to look at it. Um, whereas for me, I had four other girls that wanted the band to be successful, that wanted to do well, that are equally working their asses off. And you don't want to be that one that could possibly stop that from happening. And again, you know, if people are paying money for things... Um, and and you can't make it, then there's loads of people that have to have money take, given back or people lose money. And there's just so many parts to it. And even to yourself, you know, it's a job that I've wanted my whole life and, and I got twice. And now I can kind of say that's not just luck. I, I worked really hard and... But I've spent a lot of my life kind of apologising for that and being like, oh, you know, I was just really lucky. And, Mm. you know, and and now I see it slightly differently, but I've kind of gone off on a tangent. But, yeah, I think there's just there are always going to be people to let down. There are going to be things to miss. But I think sometimes you have to just say there's no good time for it and Mm. I need to take a break now. But that was really hard for me to do at the time. Yeah. I mean, if your younger self now like came up to you asking for advice, would you what would you have said? In hindsight, knowing what you know, would you have said, actually, you, you just did your best? Or would you be like, oh, no, you sh-, you know, and, and actually just cancel? But it yeah, would be hard. I think I, I definitely think I did my best. But I also think, had I have just said, look, guys, I, I can't do this right now. And maybe I could have just taken a week off and maybe then things wouldn't have spiralled how they would have. And I wouldn't have needed to take a month in hospital and then have this whole time to get over that. Maybe if I had have just taken smaller extra days off and time here and there, maybe it would have been better. But you just don't no. know, do you, at the time? And it just becomes your life, like you get used to your schedule and people telling you when you're eating, what you're doing, what time you've got to be up, what time you've got to be where. And and the, even that in itself, when you come out of that, is a really scary thing. Like I would, after the Saturdays, like, what do I do today? I don't know because no one's telling me what to do. Wow. Yeah, that is such a, a unique setup in, mm. in many ways that you could maybe lose lose your kind of basic instincts around things. Yeah, I think after S Club Juniors, I was definitely very lost because I'd grown up in the band. I don't think I necessarily knew who I was on my own as a person. And it took me a really long time to figure that out. And um, 
yeah, it's weird. Again, it's that thing of people telling you what to wear, what you're doing today, and then going, oh, you're on your own, you can do what you want. And mm. you're like, I don't actually know what that is. <laughs> I feel like that's everyone now on Instagram. Like, yeah. if that went away, I'd be like, what should I wear? Who am I? Yeah, who like, cares? What do now? I actually no one cares. like? <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Um, yeah, it's just an odd, odd thing. But what you just said, I think, is actually really relatable to pretty much anyone, no matter your job, because... Mm. If you keep putting off that break, maybe it's like saying to your boss, I do actually need a little bit of a break here, then they should say yes because, you know, let some give someone something. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it will get it could get worse. Well, it's that age old thing, isn't it? Prevention is better than cure. And I and totally, I, that is, you know, definitely, I think with mental health, people are, are doing that more now. We are all saying trying to take control of our own mind and saying, right, I need to look after it myself. And I think that's becoming a big thing. And and I think soon it will just be a normal thing that no one has to necessarily think about. And just like going to the gym, I think it will become a regular thing for people, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah, I hope so. Because I still feel like, um, obviously, we're really lucky with the NHS and the wonderful people who help us all the time. But I think when y- you go to the GP and and like they don't necessarily sometimes ask you about other areas of your life that could match up. Um, I, I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about that first kind of interaction when you went to the GP and then they kind of realised it was slightly worse than maybe... It, the exhaustion was slightly different to the other girls. How, how was that experience? It was weird. Like I can still, I don't remember the whole conversation, but I can still, it's like an out of body experience. I can still see myself sat across the table to him, just like sobbing. And uh, it was weird when he kind of implied that there was more to it than just being tired and that maybe I should go and see a therapist because... <sighs> not what people do like that's not normal and I was also as well like quite offended I think I was a bit like well I'm not crazy how dare you say that I'm crazy you know like I'm I'm a normal person and only crazy people do that and I didn't know anything about mental health at that point and it hadn't even crossed my mind and it wasn't spoken about and I just didn't really know what to do with that and I was lucky that he did you know I've had friends that have gone to GPs and stuff and they go oh go and eat more chocolate go to the gym more you know and I was in a great position to be able to go and get help but it took me a really long time to Mm. actually take him up on the offer and do it because I think it just wasn't the done thing. Mm, That's really really interesting thinking back to not even that long ago that yeah. it was a huge stigma because I feel like in America everyone has a therapist don't they oh yeah like and sometimes if I'm in a restaurant or a cafe and I overhear like two people talking about like my ther- my therapist said I feel like I'm like taking notes because I'm like getting like free therapy yeah <laughs> I'm like tell me more about your therapist yeah whereas you're right like it, it that would have been really scary and being like what do you mean like I'm not mad yeah I'm just tired. I've told you I'm tired. Just deal with that and I just let me just get what I need from you and then let me be on my way. Yeah. And I think I knew, but I think I just didn't really want to accept it at the time. And I didn't really tell anyone either because I just thought he was an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, I love that in your book you you didn't skim over anything and actually you you go into detail around therapy, you go into detail around medication Mm -hmm. and I feel do you feel like medication is like the kind of the last taboo area I feel like we're we're getting there I hope but it feels like medication conversation is like where we were with therapy a while ago yeah and like 
look, I'm I'm so open about the fact that I need medication. If I if I come off of my medication, I'll be back in hospital at some point. Like it's just but you wouldn't think that was weird if I said that I had diabetes or, exactly. or asthma. You would just be like, Oh, okay. And not everyone needs it. Like I've had friends that have been put on it and they didn't need it. Their depression was circumstantial. They just needed someone to talk to and then they were fine afterwards. Not fine, but, you know, it helped and they didn't need the medication. So I think it goes both ways. I don't think it's for everyone. But I still meet so many people with mental health that it's almost like, it's like when people have babies, like once you're pregnant and you become a mum, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I pushed out three babies with only gas and air or, oh, I didn't have any pain relief. And it's like, well, well done you. That's amazing. But you don't get a medal at the end of it. You just get a healthy, beautiful baby like everyone else. Yeah. And it's a bit like that with medication, with um, mental health. Is I feel like it, it sometimes becomes a bit of like a a badge of honor like oh I've managed to get better without it and so should you and and I've had I've met people that have kind of made me feel ashamed that I needed that and I couldn't just use mindfulness or the gym or meditation or whatever to get better and that's great if you can but because it didn't work for me I'm just all about saying to people if you need it just take it there's no shame in it and if you need to be on it for the rest of your life so be it. Mm. I was on it when I was pregnant. That's still a big thing as well that people don't really like to talk about. The amount of messages I get online about it, it's just unreal. Yes, you have to be careful. Yes, you have to talk to your GP. No, not all medication can be taken while you're pregnant, but some can. And for me, I would have been no use to a newborn baby had I have not been on it. So mm. it was as simple as that. That is so eloquently put. I, I, it's true. And it's like, well, w whatever path you take to get better... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether no. wh what type of thing kind of helped. Well, people, you know, you break a bone or you pull a muscle, you go to rehab and you take the time to make that better. And I feel like with the mind, people um, either want a quick fix or they'll ignore it or it's like, oh, you still go to therapy. You haven't had a breakdown for ages or you haven't had a panic attack for so long. And it's like, but because I still go to therapy or because I'm still on my medication, it's like an ongoing thing. How do you deal with people um, online? I don't know. I don't know what sort of messages you get, but do you get like a kind of bombarded with other people's opinions still on, on the way you live or, or are people less intense? Now? No, I find it, people are just more curious. Like I get so many people that open up to me and and it is really nice. But also it comes with a little bit of pressure because I'm like, well, I'm still figuring it all out myself. But it, it, it is lovely that people feel like they can open up to me. And, and, and a lot of it does revolve around medication, if I'm being honest. Just people being afraid of it or having people in their lives that don't agree with it and stuff like that. And actually online, I never get anyone say anything or if they do, I, I don't see it. I've met. Um, people in the past that suffer themselves and have recovered in different ways to me and they can be quite give me a bit of a lecture and mm. you know you don't need to be I um I won't say who it is but it's a, a singer and um come out and he was like oh uh, you did really well on that interview um just like really open and honest and really brave and you're doing really great stuff and I was like oh thank you and he was like you know I suffer myself but you know medication isn't the only way like you know there's so many other things and and it just went on and on and on and I was like he I'm sure he means well but also you're actually now just making me feel shit because 
I haven't managed to be able to conquer this without it. You have, and you're being a bit condescending mm. now. And I'm not turning around to you and saying, no, you know what? You might have been able to do all these things, but just get some drugs in you. You know, like... Yeah, it's like you're not doing the other way around. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think, I think ultimately people mean well, but I just think... I don't know, there's a time and a place. Or maybe there's not, just keep yeah. it to yourself. <laughs> but it's like with physical stuff as well. With um, I, I remember when Elizabeth Gilbert had, had announced um, like on her Instagram that she was going through some stuff and one of her, um, her partner had been diagnosed with a um, type of cancer. And she literally put in the caption, if you're going to give me some advice and options and like tell me about your green smoothies and your this special magical thing that mm. changed, like please don't, like I'm actually... I really don't need that right now. And, and it was just such a shame that that disclaimer is needed sometimes where it's like, yeah. I don't need your advice. Well, I think it's just, I do think people mean well, but I think, yeah, there is there is a time and a place. A bit like my sister really openly talks about miscarriage and and she has said often on her Instagram posts and stuff like, I am happy with the course of action that we're taking and this is what we're doing and I'm telling you about it. I'm not telling you that's what to do and that will work for everyone, but I don't really want to hear all of your ideas and what you've done and whatever because that's not what it's here for kind of thing. So Yeah, it's a really hard balance, isn't it? Mm. Because, you know, you know when um, someone really just wants to tell you like what they're going through and a part of you wants to be like, oh, yes, that happened to me once. But then you're like, I don't want to make it about me. Yeah. And, and like, it's not the same. Mm. I remember when it was like, I remember when I went through this breakup once and like I'd been going out with this guy for like a few years. And I remember my friend who'd gone on one date with someone and then didn't go on a second one being like, I, I feel the same. Uh, and I was like... <laughs> I don't know, do you? <laughs> but I know that's like such a silly example, but sometimes it's really comforting to be like, you know on the same page about something but then also we're all so different and it can kind of be a bit like I've I've only recently learned not to dish out solutions because mm. there is none well I think as well people aren't always looking for it and that's kind of what I've tried to say with mental health is like when someone opens up to you and talks to you about it they are not looking for you to fix it or to fix them they just want you to everyone's different but it's just for someone to hear it and go okay like be there listen hug let someone cry whatever but you're not sometimes people can be like right come on then let's go and do this we're going to go for a walk and we're going to do that and you're like it's not really what I need from you I just want you to hear it and to sit with it and to be able to have that opportunity to say it out loud yeah and also not everything can be fixed yeah and not everything is broken no <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um i i just wanted to bring it up because there might be people listening who might be going through a similar thing or maybe their partner or maybe a friend you talk really honestly in the book as well about like your relationship with mm -hmm. your husband and how you both had to sort of um work this out and and he ha you know you had to let him in and he he like there's there's bits in the book where um he sort of says the wrong thing and you're mm. like why did you just tell me to cheer <laughs> up or something which is like no one's fault you know when you don't know what to say I mean, A, did you run the book past him when you wrote about him? And B, how did you kind of get to the point where you are now with it? He's not actually ready yet. Interesting. No, yeah, I mean, he's fully proud of me for doing it. Um, you say wonderful things about him, so. <laughs> yeah, he better like it. <laughs> um, he, yeah, he really was up for me doing it. I never asked for his permission, but I knew I always had his support. And what was the other question? Just like, how did you work through... Oh yeah, yeah, how he so, could help you more. Yeah, 
so so that bit was fine and yeah he hasn't read it yet and I am nervous because I'm like he doesn't he doesn't read I mean he he the only book he tried to read was Fifty Shades of Grey and we all know why he tried to read that <laughs> um, and he didn't even get through that so I'm like he's not a massive reader so for him to go like oh, I'm going to sit down and read your whole book I think he'll probably wait for the audio book so I'm like that's his choice I've given him the option and he's you know he's not taking it so that's fine um, but so I don't think he's worried and I think. With him, it was a massive learning curve because we were only really early on together. You know, he could have easily walked away and been like, she's crazy. See ya. But he didn't. And he hasn't always found it easy and he hasn't always been great at dealing with it. And even now, he'll still have times where I can tell that he's taken it personally. And I completely understand that because how would you not? We, you know, we're with each other every day. He's my closest person, the person I will see the most. And that always ends up being the person that sees the worst part of you. You know, I can go to work, be smiley, chatty, do all the things I need to do, see some friends or whatever, be around the kids, but then around him, it's almost harder to fake that. That's so true, yeah. Um, so he gets the worst sides of me, like every relationship. And he had to, when I was in hospital, he spent a lot of time with my therapist, with them kind of explaining it to him in the right. same way that they explained it to me. So he does, he does get it. And, you know, I'm not the easiest person in the world to be with, but he's still here. So, <laughs> you know. No, but I, that's what, I think that's why I really enjoyed reading those bits. And also I was kind of grateful for you mentioning them because mm. you could have been like, I, you know, I don't really want to talk about my personal life in any detail in the book but you you did bring that stuff in well I think it's important because it doesn't just affect me it affected my whole family and all my friends and it's and it still does you know when I'm having a bad time my friends won't hear from me um I can't always be present at everything and even if I'm there you know sometimes I'm not the same me that I was the day before and now everyone knows me and knows the situation they get it and everyone's fine about it but I'd spent so many years hiding it that everyone's kind of learning as we go. Mm. So it does affect everyone. And I think it would be naive to think that it, it doesn't. Yes, so true. So just a couple of um, questions left. But I just wondered with, I know that we were just saying about not giving too many specific pieces of advice, but <laughs> I wanted to hear maybe what you had to say on how to like feel less guilt in, in everyday life. Because I feel like especially... Like being a woman, we're made to feel guilty for everything. What we eat, what we wear, who yeah. we go out with. Like, are we good? Are we good at everything? Are we doing everything all at once? Are we having it all and all that stuff? I just, I know that you've written a lot about how you you would feel really guilty about things. And, mm. and I think that's very relatable on whatever scale that is. We all feel guilty all the time. How have you like made peace with that a bit? Um... <laughs> I haven't really. Guilt is probably one of my biggest things with my mental health. Um, I pretty much feel it every day. It takes me a really long time to get over anything that I think that I've done in my life that's wrong or bad or whatever. Like I will store them up and kind of like torture myself with them. It's just my thing. It's really cool. Um, but I'd say I think now I kind of have perspective on things and I can kind of tell myself, no, this is your version of a situation. And actually, like with my kids, you know, I might feel guilty and I know this is a big mum thing, whether you're a working mum or not. But for example, I'm a working mum, so I can only talk for myself. But, you know, there's always that work-life balance, the same with everyone. And then when you have kids, they get thrown into the mix as well. And 
you want them to feel loved and nurtured and like you have time for them and when you're with them you want to be present the same as when you're at work and you never feel like you can be a hundred percent in both and I'm starting to accept that I can't be a hundred percent all the time in every part of my life because it's just not realistic and I look at my kids and sometimes I think oh they th- I'm a terrible mum and they must be really unhappy and they'd probably be better off with another mum that's you know it's enough to be a stay-at-home parent or whatever and actually when I look at them they're really happy well-rounded boys and they are so loved by not just me but everyone around them and they have really present grandparents and my husband is around all the time so they're actually really lucky Mm. and that's kind of I have to I think you have to take a step back every so often and go okay what is the real situation here and it doesn't mean that guilt's never going to come back but I think it's just checking in with yourself and saying this is actually the truth. We do live in an age where we we do feel like we have to be great at everything. Yeah, and it's exhausting. You just, yeah, you just can't. Like, I'm always worrying. Like, am I a good enough friend? Have I been there enough for my friends? Have I put enough effort in at work? You know, am I giving Wayne enough of my time? The kids, um, my parents, uh, just everything. The same as everyone. And I think it's just realizing that. It's just impossible. Mm. I've gone back to doing like paper to-do lists where I can cross things off because I've felt so overwhelmed recently that I was like, I need to physically cross things off. And it would be like, send a card to someone. Yeah. Like it was just like so like small little admin. Yeah. It's like, God, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like when you're like, you've got two extra people to be like <laughs> admin for. Oh God, yeah. Now that they're at school, it's like they have their own like schedules and whatever and paperwork and it's just, it is a lot. And like even now, like with Christmas, I love Christmas. Christmas is my favourite time of year. But I have found this one really stressful because work ramps up because everyone's trying to fit everything in before the new year. School, there's so many things on at school that I want to go and see and I want to be there for. Buying enough presents and getting everything right and then everyone's coming to mine for Christmas it's all doing the food and they're all fun and lovely things and we're really lucky that we get to do them all but they're overwhelming mm. and also you know talking about mental health like I think people really need to look after themselves in December because there's such a pressure to like have this perfect Christmas and families aren't perfect no no and that's like as you get older as well I think you realize like everyone has their stuff like every family has the weird member of the family or like you know their arguments and and you just don't see it when you're younger which is lovely and I you know I would hope that that you don't but yeah it can be really stressful and you and you spend a really long intense time with your family more than you ever would in any other time of the year so yeah it's a lot (laughs) are you gonna avoid Instagram over the holiday season no because I feel like I can't that is the thing like um last year between Christmas and New Year, I, I posted about feeling really rubbish and I, I and I found that time in between really, it made me feel really down because I felt like I was in limbo. Like you've had this big build, my favourite thing is the build up to Christmas. You've had this big build up to Christmas. Christmas Day has been amazing. Boxing Day is normally everyone's chilling, more people come over. And then that bit in between Christmas and New Year, it's like... Am I still supposed to be celebrating? Um, no one's really back at work. Nothing's really happening. But then we're not still eating loads and 
I don't know. Like, I'm like, I don't know what you do in that time period. I, I remember like hovering at the post bu- over the post button about whether or not to say it. So I was like, I don't want to bring down the mood of Christmas because everyone's having such a great time. But actually, this is how I'm feeling. And maybe other people are. And I did. And I got such lovely feedback. And so many more people felt the same way than I thought they would. And um, this year, we're making a real conscious effort to like, book other things in in that in-between period and keep my I wanted to go away but um my sister lives in Bermuda so they're coming over so I want to be here for them so I can't just run away from it so I'm like I'm just gonna find ways to keep myself busy yeah that's really good advice Hmm. it really is um so the book kind of ends on a bit of a a work in progress note when you say this isn't really the, the end like of my story and also we're all learning we're all growing and we're all changing is there anything in 2020 that you, you know, you're just going to like focus on a bit? Not that, not like a New Year's resolution or anything, but just more like something you're going to continue to do and work on. I've kind of had this new thing and I have been doing it this year where I'm trying to do things that scare me more. Um, Like I went and trekked the Himalayas with Copperfield um, and that ticked every anxiety box of mine um I have like a bit of OCD so as awful as it sounds India has always been somewhere I've been a bit nervous about everyone talks about Delhi belly and you know smog and all this stuff so I was always a bit like and it's really busy and loud and I was like "Mm, I don't know if that would be my place and me being me didn't really know where the Himalayas was (laughs) and I was a bit like yeah sure I'll do that and then and then even there was a hundred people that went and that for me is like a real big social anxiety there's so many people that I don't know and then I was a team leader never done a trek before and now all of a sudden I'm in charge of 20 other people and so there were so many parts of that that were terrifying for me and I found this year like kind of I really enjoy proving my anxiety wrong because then it gives you confidence that the next time you feel anxious about something of going well that's probably not true and I can probably fight through that like I did these last 800 times or whatever and um it's been really big for me doing that like I did silly things like MasterChef I'm such a crap cook when I'm MasterChef and I was like yeah I was rubbish I came out first but who cares it was fun the trek I'm sure there's other things that I've done um that is well right yeah (laughs) but there are times where you were like you know was it as easy as like I'm gonna do it or were there times where you're like I'm gonna put out or oh yeah like when I suggest to the um the trek it was so far away that I just like kind of ignored that it was gonna happen and then when it come up I was like oh I wish I hadn't have said yes like I'm wondering if there's like an excuse I can make but then again I'm gonna let people down and that whole usual and I'm so glad that I didn't because for the minute I went you know like leaving the kids feels really selfish because it's for charity I can kind of go okay that's fine And just the whole trip, it was hard. Like even just getting there, it took us three days to get there. We had to get a sleeper train, which for me, like my OCD of like germs and stuff of sleeping where loads of other people said the toilets were disgusting. The food, I'm a really fussy eater. Like everything about it terrified me. And I said to them, I was like, if you told me that just getting here was like the trek, I'd believe you because that was a lot. And um, I've met loads of awesome people and I was like, oh, so I can totally be out of my comfort zone. I can totally push myself to do these things and I'm going to be okay at the end of it. It wasn't easy. It wasn't, some of it wasn't fun, 
But I've come out the other end with like an amazing memory and a tick of like, okay, well, there was that anxiety proved wrong. Like I could do it. So. You can do it. Yeah. Yes. I love that. That's such a good end note to end on. Um, just because I think as much as like the self-care movement of like, you know, look after yourself and like cocoon yourself when you when you feel mm. sad. But also on the other side, like we kind of have to be resilient as well and like prove ourselves that we can yeah. do it so. I think you have to feel the fear and do it anyway sometimes within yeah. reason obviously <laughs> yes. oh my god okay I feel inspired now if I go and book some crazy trek it's your fault <laughs> I'm not coming with you <laughs> thank you so so much thank being you. so amazingly open pun intended on the on the podcast <laughs> and also in your incredible book thank you thanks 